Welcome to Bankless, where we explore the future of internet money and internet finance. This is how to get started, how to get better, how to front run the opportunity. This is Ryan Sean Adams. I'm here with David Hoffman in freaking person. Yo! <laughs> and we're here to help you become more bankless. Uh, did that from memory, David. Right, nice, nice job, bad, man. Huh? Nice job. Uh, who do we have on today? What are we talking about? Yeah, we had Vlad Tenev, the CEO of Robinhood. And we, of course, are doing this at Permissionless because right before Vlad came into our makeshift podcast booth, uh, he did. A, they, they did a press release for a non-custodial wallet coming out of Robinhood. So they are calling this Robinhood 3 which I thought was Robinhood Web3, but it's actually Robinhood The Third Evolution, which uh, Vlad goes into in the podcast as well. So we try and pick his brains about what some of the features are in the this Robinhood 3 app. Uh, he leaks a little bit. You can kind of see a little bit of what's going on there, but he mainly keeps things mostly under wrap, except for the stuff he leaks. Yeah, at, at a high level, I think it's super exciting that right. they are going into the self-custodial wallet space. I, I've got to say, I didn't expect them to do it so soon. Yeah. Right? I, I anticipated some of the fintechs who've created entire business models on being centralized to uh, prefer that model. And now here, Robinhood is going to the self-custody space, effectively encouraging all of their users to get crypto-pilled and to go bankless. Right. So that's a step in and of itself. I think there are a lot of details that we'd love to uh, learn, like what layer twos are going to be supported, what other chains, how are you actually going to support all of the assets that they mentioned supporting, Bitcoin, Litecoin, uh, Ethereum, ERC20 to uh, tokens. Where do the swaps happen and how do the swaps? Exactly, uh, our smart contract wallet, how are keys restored, all of these things. Mm -hmm. And hopefully these questions will be revealed in time, but we kept this conversation surface level uh, in high level. And I think the big takeaway is Robinhood has planted a flag in the ground. They are coming to crypto, they are investing in it, and they're actually doing some bankless things. So uh, that in and itself is, is pretty exciting, David. Yeah. And I think this is basically the business model for all banks, right? Like which one of you is going to disrupt yourself first? Yeah. Uh, and Robinhood says like, all right, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah. Like we'll get out of the way. Uh, and so that's kind of the, the TLDR, I would say, is Robinhood is going to disrupt themselves first and so that they can actually produce their own product that ultimately comes to disrupt themselves. Dude, I enjoyed doing an in-person podcast with you. That was great. It was yeah. really good. David and I on camera at the same time, in person, interviewing Vlad. That's what you're in for in this episode. We're going to get right to the episode with Vlad. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Bankless Nation, we are super excited to introduce you to Vlad Tenev. He's the CEO and co-founder of Robinhood. Excited to have this conversation. Also excited, David, this is our first in-person podcast that we've ever done. So we found some space at Permissionless, and we're recording this live with Vlad after the keynote that you just gave. Vlad, welcome to Bankless. Thanks for having me, guys. And I'm glad uh, we're all meeting for the first time. So it feels like a, a level playing field. You know, I almost feel like saying like, welcome to crypto as well. But I know Robinhood has been in crypto uh, for a while. I guess my first question is, when did you guys decide to get super serious about crypto? Because the things that you're releasing today um, are taking you to the next level. We'll talk about what you've just announced, what you're planning, what you're planning in the future. But when did you fall down the rabbit hole? When did Robinhood get serious about crypto? Well, let's see. Um, I, I've been into crypto for quite a while just personally as as an individual um you know i remember trying my hand at uh at bitcoin mining back in 2011 with a a cpu and you know seeing uh seeing the first time that bitcoin it wasn't even crypto at that point right it was just bitcoin 
was declared dead after the Mt. Gox password breach. So a lot of people were like, oh, well, that was a fun experiment while it lasted, right? Um, no way could it recover from this. But then, of course, you had the first kind of Bitcoin summer in 2013, prolonged winter, people declared it dead again, and then 2017, 2018. So I think the Robinhood as a company got into crypto in 2018. So early 2018, when it became clear, we started hearing from our customers that, hey, this is an asset class that we want to have as part of our portfolios. We want to invest in it. We want to trade it. Uh, we were looking at kind of the the broader space and seeing an opportunity to do the same thing that we've done for stock trading, which is fee compression and obliteration and get more value back in customers' pockets. So that that's what led us to to launch Robinhood Crypto back in, in early 2018, which was the uh, I think the the first major commission free offering for crypto by kind of a an established company. So uh, that got us into it, and then um, I guess you might ask why self custody? Why why is that interesting to us? Because that that's is what deeper. you're announcing, right? Yeah, okay. we're we're announcing Robinhood three, which is uh, self custody done the Robinhood way. So no network fees, no commissions, really bringing design to the forefront. And I think what's interesting about it is you look over the past couple of years, you know, five years ago, self-custody meant getting your treasure or your ledger, putting your coins on it and forgetting about it, right? Maybe you take it out once a year or even less frequently to, to move coins around, move them to an exchange. But the number of rich applications that you can do while maintaining custody and ownership of your keys over the past couple of years that have just sprung up has been uh, has been really awesome to see. So Robinhood, obviously we've been watching the space um, and I think they're now at the point where they're ready for a broader audience. And we, we felt like we could build a really, really good product here, taking our two value propositions of low costs and amazing design and and deliver that to customers. And I'm really, really excited for this. And then since you've been paying attention to the crypto industry, it seems like Robinhood has been waiting for its moment to pounce. Uh, and it seems like this is this is the moment. So we have a, a Robinhood wallet, Robinhood 3, named after Web3. Is that is that the 3 in Robinhood 3? Yeah, I think uh, Web3 is, a, is an obvious allegory. I think there's also a reflection of kind of the different stages of Robinhood. The first stage could be when we offered equities trading. And then the second stage when we got into crypto back in 2018, but you know, it was a custodial offering. We didn't even offer the ability to deposit and withdraw until last year. So customers were really happy to, to go there. And then self-custody the, the Robinhood way uh, with Robinhood 3. So I want to get into the, the technical details. So how does that, how does that work? Uh, what does that, that wallet look like? Uh, how does the user begin to custody their own assets? How do they get their private keys out of Robinhood? And if they are buying assets from Robinhood in the app, how does that go to the user's wallet while they also maintain their own private key? Like, can you just walk us through this, the whole scope of the wallet? Yeah, so I mean... I can't share too many of the details just yet because I want to I want to keep it a surprise. I want to keep you guys in suspense, but I'll tell you some of the principles that we we kind of um, brought to the fore when we designed the product. 
I think that the first thing is we want to make it simple to onboard while keeping best in class security. So security, privacy, very important. That's why people are self-custodying to begin with. But you look at some of the some of the ways to set up a non-custodial wallet. You have to, you know, type in and transcribe the 24 words and it tells you to write them down on a piece of paper. We think that we can make that process a lot simpler and a lot more streamlined. Because that scares almost everyone who does not get into crypto. Yeah, if you're if you're you know a protocol developer, it's it's fine. You understand what's happening. You understand private public key uh, cryptography, and it it is a little bit of a step forward. It's like one step beyond just giving you the private key, right, and and having you record that. But I think we could do better. The second thing is just the design and the simplicity. A lot of these products are built using non-native protocols, so they just they feel slow, right? It's like you're you're either directly loading a web page or loading an interface that's powered by a web framework. So we want to make sure it feels really fast and uh, you feel connected to your money and it, it's tactile. And so we're building native. We also uh, are introducing a new gesture. You might have heard my my co-founder talk about it on stage, which we call chromatic feedback, um, which is going to be really really cool. And it's it's uh, it's gonna yeah it's it's gonna feel very tactile. You saw a little hint of it, but um, I think when you play with the product, it'll it'll feel really good. For the listeners uh, that are that weren't able to watch you uh, the the speak at the talk at Permissionless, can you actually go into that? What that what that is and yeah, how what that, is chromatic yeah. feedback? What is that? Well, um, basically, it's uh, it's a response to the touch uh, that the interface gives, and it's hard for me to describe it uh, on audio, but you just have to see it to believe it. And I think people really really like it. So we're talking about like the iOS Android app has like a unique tactile feedback while using it. That's yeah. that's unique. Exactly. Cool. Neat. And and, and then the other thing is, um, we really don't love the whole web browser thing where you load up a web browser in your non-custodial wallet and you get some web page that you have to, you know, zoom in and out of. So we want to make it really easy, not just to swap, but also to access DeFi protocols and generate yield um, all with with native UI. So we're going to we're going to be building that and we're going to use multiple high speed chains. Um, we want to make sure people have uh People have different ways of getting access to different tokens and, and different services. So that that's something we're quite excited about as well. Okay, multiple high-speed chains. That brings to mind like the fast layer ones and also layer twos as well. Layer twos on Ethereum and other chains. We're looking at everything, yep. Cool, okay. Haven't haven't domiciled yourself into any one specific chain yet? Well, I mean, there's there's lots of chains that we like, um, but yeah, we're, we're always open to adding more. And I think part of the reason we're excited to be here is you know, there's a lot of DAP developers and and other folks that we could talk to. And, you know, we're very happy to have some of them start reaching out already, even in the hour or so since the keynote. Sure. What's super cool about this, too, is I, I think you uh, you mentioned it earlier, but users want to do more than hold crypto. Obviously, there are all of these other verbs that you can yeah. do with crypto and particularly with uh, DeFi. So you want to invest, you want to buy, you want to hold, of course. You also want to trade. You yeah. also want to earn yield. All of these different, uh, you know, verbs. And I, I noticed in your press release, you were talking very much not just about the hold use case in your crypto wallet, but like generating yield. 
I'm wondering no. if you talk about that. But but also before you do, Vlad, I, I want to get like the big picture here for Robinhood because you've said this is sort of a, the third phase yeah. of Robinhood, which I think um, that's pretty big, right? I mean, like you guys get into the equity space, that was big. Getting into crypto, it's the second phase, that, w- that was big. And I will tell you, like, uh, so this this podcast is called Bankless, right? Yeah, because yeah. we are about like the name's great disrupting the intermediary. Yeah. Okay, so what we don't want in crypto is to have um, crypto turn into something like the traditional banking system, where it's less peer to peer. We have to go through all of these intermediaries. So uh, while we were very happy in kind of your phase two that you guys were like listing crypto assets, yeah. we also like kept applying the pressure and wanting wanting Robinhood, wanting users of Robinhood to petition Robinhood and say, hey, get us the withdrawal capability so we can withdraw from the banking system if we want to and take custody of our assets. Yeah. And uh, to your credit, you guys did that uh, earlier, I guess last year, you started doing that, which was phenomenal. But this one took me by surprise in like a good way, like a way that I'm very excited about because um, it strikes me that you are seeing the full vision of crypto, which is more than just creating a fintech overlay on top of this ledger blockchain infrastructure but also providing like peer-to-peer or you know individual to protocol types of interfaces like doing the self uh, self custody thing i think is a big step and uh you guys should be commended for that but i'm wondering why what's the thought process here do you see uh this is where the industry is going do you see this as maximally beneficial to your your users? Do, is there some kind of profit motive? What? Why are you doing this? Yeah, I guess there's two questions, right? There's the why, and then there's kind of why now. So in terms of the why, if you look at why Robinhood has been able to do what we do, it's it's because there's there's sort of two things that we've been able to to accomplish because we hold them very very dear. One is um, using technology to actually eliminate middlemen and costs from from the system, pass back that value to customers in the form of lower fees and, and no commissions. And the other is um, create design that's accessible and makes it very, very easy for a customer um, and not just kind of a DeFi believer, but a customer that maybe is curious, but hasn't hasn't nor- gone down the ra- normie, rabbit hole, right? Yeah, not, not, not a crypto native. Yeah, not a crypto native. So, so we want to make sure that um, our interfaces are, um, are are obviously useful, and people who are believers love them, but but also normies do as well. So, what what did what did stock trading? How do you how do you look at that in the context of stock trading? Right. Well, twenty years ago, it used to be that to place a stock trade. Um, you had to go to a physical broker and, you know, your trade would be beamed down to the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. And you had these people with like these iPads before there were iPads actually actually making the trades happen. That's why there was a cost to it, because there was an actual human being um, in the in the middle of the transaction. And, you know, between 20 and 10 years ago, that all went away. So if you go to the New York Stock Exchange now, it's like a media place, right? Maybe there's some people trading, but most of the time it's just CNBC and some of the networks doing interviews because it's it's a museum. All of the action is happening in servers um, on the other on the other side of the the Hudson River. So that part 
that's an example of something very, very manual that was replaced by software and people, um, people benefited from it, right? Um, in the form of lower costs. Now, I think what's, what's got us particularly interested about crypto and DeFi is that you're seeing that go down the stack. So I think you've, you've heard us say a few times that crypto is not just another asset class, but it's really almost like an entirely new operating system for, uh, for financial services. So, you know, we've, we've done some stuff with stock trading um, that replaces a lot of the things in the front of the house with software. Now, crypto, you're starting to see the back of the house, the sort of underbelly of the financial system being replaced by blockchains and protocols. And I think what, what's really interesting, you put these two things together, the end-to-end -end chain, the entire product experience could potentially be replaced by software. And that's an immense opportunity to pass back not just security and privacy, but more value back into the, the hands of consumers. So I think that's why we're interested in it. it. It goes to the heart of the genesis of Robinhood, which is using technology to make financial services low cost and applying design to make them ridiculously easy to use and simple for customers. You know, we actually have a term for what you just described, where you're talking about the front of the house and the back of the house. We call it the DeFi mullet thesis, right? Uh -huh. And the idea is it's going to be like fintech on the front for user acquisition, smoothing the rough edges, uh, making self-custodial wallets, non-custodial wallets amazing. And it's going to be DeFi in the back. And so our thesis has been, um, and we saw this starting to happen a couple of years ago, that uh, more and more fintech companies would essentially grow out their DeFi mullets, right? Begin to start swapping out the old banking infrastructure for like crypto ledger-based systems. And uh, it's so cool to see Robinhood taking a giant leap into that space. So well done. Um, I guess the other follow-up question is, so what sort of things will users be able to do with that non-custodial wallet beside, besides the hold? So we were just alluding yep. to it like, yield like yeah. DeFi. what what other things can we do inside this well so there's a couple of things that we know customers love and want from from talking to them so swapping and trading is a big part of it to be able to actually place trades without giving up control over over your keys so that that's what we start with obviously Robinhood is known as a place where people can invest and trade and we want to we want to bring that to self custody with Robinhood three, and, and just to be clear, that means integrations with the chains that the app uh, that the wallet uh, talks to, and using the DeFi swap features and swap applications on those chains, or is that something that that Robinhood itself will be also facilitating as well? Like well, how, how does the swap actually happen? I think the the details under the hood again. I think will will probably reveal more as as uh, we get closer to the product delivery. But from a from a customer standpoint, it's just you, software, and uh, and the blockchain. And the goal will be to actually make it so that your all in cost of swapping is competitive, if not significantly better than the most competitive centralized exchanges. So typically, you know, when you're trading on these DEXs, you see, um, you know, high gas fees, uh, sometimes low liquidity. It's unclear exactly what the exchange rate that you're swapping is. So we see lots of problems that, that we can help solve there. One of the other questions I have is how uh, user and customer funds will actually end up in the wallet. 
so how, how does it interface with the current Robinhood app? And if users want to get their Bitcoin, their Ether, their tokens into their non-custodial wallet, is there like a fiat on-ramp that is built by Robinhood right in there? Well, I think the, the really interesting thing about um, Robinhood crypto inside the main Robinhood app is that it is a great on-ramp for crypto, right? You can, you can bring in your fiat currency, your dollars. You can buy and sell crypto. Um, and we offer uh, an increasing number of coins. We just added some new ones a couple of weeks ago, actually. And with, with the custodial wallets that we launched a few months ago, you can actually deposit and withdraw and take them directly onto the chain. So certainly that gives us the ability to drive an integration from Robinhood and use that as as a key on-ramp. Okay. Vlad, are you worried at all about uh, this offering cannibalizing your existing business? And so, um, I mean, there are multiple ways to see it. I mean, obviously you're not, or you're weighing the risks and you're saying, hey, the rewards are worth more than the risk. And I'm wondering yeah. if you could weigh in on this, but uh, it, it sort of reminds me of the, the you know, the Apple Play in the in the 2000 era where you had the iPod an uber yeah. successful product right like incredible and then uh Steve Jobs goes and turns that iPod into an app on on a phone makes music basically an app and the question is like well is that going to cannibalize all of the iPod sales and he was like yeah but yeah. we'll more than make up for it on our sales of iPhones and in the app store is that what you're seeing here or do you think that there could be you know some threat to your existing business model uh, for, because you're getting into DeFi and margins get compressed. Is there any threat of cannibalization? What do you think about this? I think uh, it's always best to cannibalize yourself, right? And <laughs> we don't really even think about it that way. We think about rolling out the best products and you know the monetization and the revenue will, uh, will take care of itself. If this is so... Uh, if this becomes, you know, the dominant way that customers access Web3 and it's drawing people away from Robinhood, I think I think that's a great scenario, not just for the ecosystem, but also for Robinhood as well. Can we take a peek behind what's going on with Robinhood's like own resources? Like, are you guys getting into this like 5% of your guys' time and energy, 25% of your time and energy? Like, how serious is Robinhood about this whole uh, DeFi crypto campaign? Yeah, we've been we've been growing our crypto team in general uh, quite heavily. Um, started out as a very small, very small lean team, and you know we've we've been putting a lot of resources to bear on this. But I I would say you know we don't really look at it in terms of of headcount. I think especially when you're starting when you're starting something new, uh, a smaller team can move really really fast and and iterate in a way that sometimes even larger teams that are resourced can't. So um, we're excited that it's a it's a new app. It allows us to kind of reimagine and and learn from uh, learn from things we've done with the first Robinhood. And we think it'll actually um, there's probably things that we'll learn with Robinhood three that eventually we'll be talking about backporting. So there's a, always like a big difference between how crypto natives see the products that they use and, and design the products that they use versus people that aren't as familiar with with crypto. So like, what's the uh, the Robinhood culture when it comes to like crypto native builders on the Robinhood side of things? Do you have like a, a lot of crypto natives at, at Robinhood? We do. We have lots of crypto natives, but when we we have a big culture of talking to customers and putting the prototypes of what we build in front of them and getting their feedback and. We make it a point to not just talk to crypto native 
uh, people, but actually to people that are curious and, you know, normies, as you put it. And we want to make sure it it works for them also. And I'm sure along the process, as this app gets rich and the ecosystem around this app gets built out, you take Robinhood normies to Robinhood crypto natives. Uh, can you, is there any sort of insight or illustration as to uh, the demand for this product out of Robinhood users? Is there anything like any customer feedback they say is like, oh, they really want this, this kind of product? Well, you, you see it certainly in uh, some of the commentary about Robinhood, like uh, people were requesting wallets in general and access to their coins. And we heard that loud and clear um, throughout the past year. And now um, I think I think this release will probably surprise a lot of people. If it surprised you guys, um, I'm sure that not a lot of people thought that Robinhood would go and, and embrace self-custody the way we have today. But I think it, it makes a lot of sense. It's the, the future of... Uh, I think the future of Web3 relies on this and we can really build something awesome that allows people to keep custody and, and be their own bank, you know, to the, to the tune of why you named your podcast. I think that's a very, very powerful vision. And especially with what's happening around the world, you see, um, you see it, it's never been as important to, to have that security and privacy as it is right now. What are uh, Robinhood users like? So, first of all, how many users are on the platform now? It's like twenty-five million ish, something like that. I think this. the last the last number we reported was around twenty-two point eight million funded accounts. Okay, wow. Yeah. Okay, and how many of these are dabbling with crypto, own crypto assets, um, have their own private keys, maybe have a separate self custody wallet? Have you guys done any studies on this? What we're trying to understand is yeah. how many of the user base will be kind of net new. This is their first crypto experience uh, and what the interest level is. Quite a few crypto, first time crypto buyers use Robinhood. Um, we have a combination of both. We have people that use, that are very deep into it and use Robinhood as uh, a cheap and convenient off-ramp and on-ramp. And then they they move it elsewhere to generate yield or to, to engage in... Uh, to use dApps. Um, and we also have people that just want exposure to it and like having it alongside their stocks and are sort of thinking about it as portfolio diversification into a different asset. And I think um, what we'd like to do is is better serve both kinds of customers. So if you just want to use us as an on-ramp and off-ramp, we'd like to We'd like to to serve you further down the line and, and give you all of the other tools that you're going outside of Robinhood to use as well. If you want to use us as uh, a way to uh, just diversify your portfolio, that that's something that we offer. And obviously, with our centralized offering, we, we can make it a great experience to keep your coins in the same app as, as your equities and other securities as well. So, Vlad, as we uh, we think about wrapping this up and closing, uh, I know we've all got places to be. It's very busy at, at Permissionless, of course. I, I'm wondering if you could give the case to sort of two groups of people, right? So, sure. of course, there's the crypto natives who listen to Bankless all of the time, and they're probably excited about this, but also at the same time, you know, maybe skeptical, right? Yeah. Because Robinhood is coming from uh, more the fintech side of things. And then there's also your existing users, right, who are a little worried about crypto potentially, like opening a MetaMask wallet. There's a lot of rough edges, the 24 yeah. words you have to like. First, can you make the case 
to your users, the Robinhood, you know, normies, let's call them, the people who are into, into fintech, buying equities, buying crypto on an exchange, why should they go in the direction of a self-custody wallet? Why is this Robinhood 3 application for them? Yeah, I think that if you are, and it's not necessarily going to fill the needs for 100% of our customers, right? There's customers that um, are probably very happy just buying Bitcoin or the main coins and keeping them alongside their uh, their securities. And we think that's fine. We don't, if if you don't want to self-custody, um, we're not we're not necessarily going to want to force you to do that. But there are a lot of people that are attracted by getting access to more coins. They're attracted by uh, by these DApps and generating yield, especially in this high inflation environment. And we want to offer a solution to them. And I think the the value prop, if you're a customer of Robinhood, is you get the same simple design and the low fees that you're accustomed to with TradFi products like Robinhood, and and we'll import that and make the experience absolutely seamless. Now, if you're a non-Robinhood user, the same value prop resonates with you, right? You're used to the swapping experience where the exchange rate's not clear, you're paying high gas fees, it's hard to work with multiple chains. Um, Sometimes you send crypto to the wrong places and lose access to it, and that really sucks. So Robinhood can actually take a lot of the problems that you run into with the non-custodial wallets that you're already using and make them make them go away. So what's next, Vlad? This this product, as I understand it, is in uh, sort of a beta type season. Can we'll you- be starting the beta and rolling it out to the first customers in the coming months, so later this summer. And then the goal is to get it in everyone's hands uh, later this year. Amazing. And more announcements to come. It sounds like. So it seems like you were teasing some things uh, in 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 this uh, in this episode that are to come. So I'm sure many more features to be added like when when does when does the project go ga and become complete are there a, a certain amount of features you want well, we'll be rolling that? it out to everyone later this year of course um it's software so by its nature it's we're, we're going to continue to add stuff once we get to to ga but uh the goal is to get it in everyone's hands get it in the first people's hands over the next few months and in everyone's hands by the end of the year Bullish. Thanks a lot. Bullish. Bullish. Yeah. Look, yeah. Bankless listeners, uh, this has been fantastic. It's 2022. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Robinhood is helping us onboard the world, helping the world go a bit more bankless. It's great to have you guys here. Vlad, thanks so much for spending some time with us on this Thank podcast. Thank you, gentlemen. We appreciate you. Cheers. Yeah, appreciate the time.